when death row inmates were asked what would have been the best time for prevention to take place, their number one answer was, if somebody would have stopped me when I started swearing. What? No way. Yeah. Swearing, they they linked it to swearing. Okay, what is it to curse? You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Before we start the show, I have something to share with you. If you or someone close to you is suffering from a sense of anxiety or loneliness, the truth is anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness affecting 40 million adults in the United States every year alone. And according to a recent study, more than 60% of Americans report feeling lonely, left out, poorly understood, and lacking companionship. This matters a lot because loneliness is stressful enough to raise all-cause mortality by up to 30%. So, I've written a free guide with 10 ways you can start to overcome anxiety and defeat your loneliness. Don't wait on positive emotions. Learn how to create them for yourself starting right now. You can grab the guide by heading over to drmartinfletcher.com. That's doctor spelled drmartinfletcher.com. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Marty. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing really good, except it's afternoon. Um, good afternoon, <laughs> Matt. I, gotcha. I made up for the good morning that you missed. So That must have been it. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing really, really well. Okay, good, good. You had a great topic. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot. We're going to talk about the tongue and speech. Yeah, the power of our words. The, the power of words. So I think it's interesting that in, the, in Genesis, right? In the beginning, there was the word, mm-hmm. the logos. Now, that wasn't, you know, English or Hebrew, but what does that mean? I mean, that's really important in our tradition. Yeah. The word, the logos is the Greek word for it. It means like the truth that has to be expressed. And the only hope any of us have of expressing ourselves is in our words. And our words, though, can take on a life of their own and turn ugly. Right. Well, I mean, and words are powerful. So I deal in psychotherapy. We, we're dealing with the logos, right? What are we doing with it? Because it's mostly all speech. There are things that you do outside the session to change your life and things like that. But really what we're dealing with is bringing chaos to order. The people I see, their life is so upside down, out of order. They don't know if they're coming or going and they feel like it's just complete chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing, and this isn't exactly on topic, but Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first words in the whole Bible say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and was void. The word for that is like soup. It's like chaos. Yeah. And the spirit hovered over the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light. He brought light to the chaos. I think that if we could grab onto our words and help name what's going on, you know, is a thought without an ability to describe it even real? It's a feeling is what it is. It's an emotion or a sensation or maybe even an intuition or maybe it's a tacit knowing where I feel it in my bones, right? Mm. But it's not fully realized until we put language on it. And, and according to scripture, there's speech everywhere. So I, I read a Psalm, Psalm 19, mm-hmm. the heavens declare the glory of God, declare the skies proclaim all these speech words, skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day, they pour forth speech wow. night after night, they display knowledge. It's everywhere. As far as speech is language then it's all around us. So we have to be very careful with our speech. And there's plenty in the scriptures. And it seems like a lot of people aren't reading that, professing Christians right now, because I'm seeing it violated over and over. You know, that's really true. And I think it can get so out of control. And there's some scriptures I want to look at in the New Testament. But, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of reminds me of this joke 
this running joke we had in my family growing up. My dad, who was into guns and ammo and reading about war and stuff like that, read about this article that was about this ancient Chinese tribe. And the men of the tribe ate such strong garlic and I don't even know what they, onions and all this kind of stuff. And then they practiced this breath control and they could knock their enemies out at like 10 feet distance. Just their breath. Their breath. Like I think I met one of those <laughs> a few times. But you're, you're bringing up some really good imagery because we have to remember there's something behind the speech and that's the important parts because speech rides on the breath. There's a proverb that says a false witness who breathes out lies, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those lies can be toward other people. There's plenty of that. But I think even more so the lies that we tell ourselves. Right. And look, they're not intentional usually because it's hard to get at the truth. And I think the truth is outside of us. It, it, it's being spoken all around us, but it's very hard for us to get to the truth sometimes. Yeah. Now we feel like it's truth, but just because we feel like something's true doesn't mean it's true. We make that mistake all the time. That's right. right. That's totally right. And sometimes we know it's not the truth, but still we spew. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and you, you brought up another point earlier that speech it not only influences how we feel, and it certainly does. Like if we were, we're talking about self-talk, how people talk to themselves and how that influences their reality, right? They really feel like they're awful people when they talk to themselves as being awful. But it also, we have to be careful with speech because it also influences how other people feel. Oh, gosh. One well-placed word can knock somebody out, just yeah. like that ancient tribe. Yeah. We can knock somebody off of their understanding of their value, yeah. their self-worth. Yeah. And we may not eat onions and garlic and peppers enough to physically harm someone, but you know, you can bet the words that fire off our tongues can be just as deadly. Yeah, and let's remember the spirit that, that precedes it. Because the, the language, remember, it rides on the language, the meaning rides on the language. So when I was like really like 19 years old, I worked at a place mm -hmm. called Seva. And, um, you know, you don't know a whole lot when you're 19. We were talking about nutrition. We were talking about the USRDA, the guidelines, and there was some controversy around that. And I naively said, maybe they just put that on to make sure you get enough nutrition. And she looked at me with such concern and compassion. And she said, oh, Marty, don't believe that. And it wasn't the message that I remember. It was the spirit of concern that made that message like really hit home with me because I knew it, it was for the right, it was in the right spirit. That's so powerful. And, and that kind of ties in with something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He said, words flow from an overflow of the heart. In mm -hmm. other words, there is a direct connection between our heart and our words. And they, it somehow it bypasses our brain bypasses mm -hmm. our reasoning capacities and we we can speak out of love we can speak out of fear and it jumps it jumps around any kind of filter or any kind of opportunity we have to shape them which means what that means you better get yourself right spiritually you better yeah. be looking at the right things become that person who naturally speaks in the way that's pleasing to god wow that sounds amazing it could also sound really boring to some people because we, we picture churchy people, you know, the church lady, we picture self-righteous people. Yeah. But it's this image that we have in our mind that mm -hmm. we have to deconstruct. How much of your work when a patient comes to see you is deconstructing the lies or the words or sometimes the truth into bite-sized chunks for them of what they are living. Say, say more about that. I'm not sure I understand. Do you mean, is it? No, go ahead. No, just the idea that, like I read, for example, that there are twice as many put downs in marriages that don't survive, that end in divorce, mm -hmm. than there are in marriages who survive. Yeah. And you know, there's a guy at the University of Washington that's really good at predicting just in videos who, who is going to separate. Which, and you know what, the, you know what the, 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 the common tell is that he's looking for? If, contempt. Oh. It's contempt. When we hear the contempt in the speech. Now, as far as being boring, love sells, right? It sells. Nobody gets tired of that. So if we speak truth in love, it, no one will be bored, mm -hmm. including you. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> not you. But yeah, you and me. Right. You know, that's so true because the truth in love 
can cover so much. It can cover the spew when we lose it. It can cover the assumptions that we make that enable us to be able to attack people. But, you know, there's another way that I usually fall into when it comes to my dragon breath. You know, one time I remember I was having this beautiful moment with one of my daughters and I was laying next to her on her bed as I was tucking her in and we were reading a story. And I rolled over and she looked at me and she said, Daddy. And I was like, oh, here it comes. And she said, your breath stinks. <laughs> and it was so funny that I, I was so bummed, but it's kind of true. Sometimes we attack people with our words, but one way we attack people with our words is more socially acceptable, and that's under my breath. The uh. words that I say under my breath, it can even look as an expression like an eye roll, but we become masters of it, I think, especially those of us who are more passive aggressive, which was, would be my tendency. Mm. We engage in gossip, and we call it being a good listener, simply making conversation. And I think most people know what I'm talking about. You know, I've let just enough of my opinion about somebody else that I might as well have knocked him out with dragon breath. Yeah. Can I ask you two questions, though? Yes. To get back on that? Okay, first of all, did she speak it in love? Because there's a way to tell someone that their breath stinks and it's not a loving way. I was okay with however it came out. I mean, she was so young and innocent. And so it was probably was. Yeah. Truth in love. And then the other thing about the eye roll, because we're going for the spirit that's behind the speech. Right. Because speech is used to manipulate, too right too often but the spirit behind is what's going to have its effect on the world that i think what do you think the eye roll is is it disgust it's it's dismissing i think it means i'm done with you or i think it's it's every bit as potent depending on if somebody sees you or not as saying a negative comment or, yes. or writing somebody off because the heart overflows right yeah, the, yeah. You know, it'll we come out help we, we leak and yes. a lot of times what's going on in our heart leaks out in our words. You know, there's also times where I use my words to direct, my, to direct attention to myself. And the more subtle, the better. The poison is, is potent when it comes out just a little bit at a time. You know, the power of my words I use to cover my tail or to cover my sins or to cover my disgust that I have for somebody. But I let out just enough of it. Mm-hmm. Put somebody down. Well, it's doing its damage anyway, yeah. right? Because when we hold that feeling of disgust or like a light contempt, a mild contempt, that that is separating us from the the spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit. Oh gosh, yeah. I think that the idea of one of the ways that contempt happens, and oftentimes in marriages, I think, and even with our kids, when it comes to the power of our words. It's when we starve people from them. Sometimes we withhold words of forgiveness or we ignore people on purpose or we avoid speaking to them because it feels so good to fuel our hatred or disgust or frustration in order so I can get them really good later on. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't think that that's not aggression. People fear being rejected. We're, we're social creatures. And we know that, you know, dismissing people not including them, sliding them. That is an act of aggression. Now, there's another way to walk away from people, right, without any of that contempt, maybe with, you know, compassion for them. You know, some people just, it's impossible to be with them. They hurt, hurt you, for instance, no. right? Yeah, setting up good boundaries when we need to. When we can't control ourselves, it's okay to set up boundaries. With the appropriate spirit. Yeah, Oh, completely. And when you're out of control, it's best not to. The power within our mouths, think of that, the power within our mouths, it can rule our households yes. with words or with no words. Oh, I think that probably 90% out of what causes problems between people is what's said and not said mm -hmm. is speech. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? I mean, because look, how threatening is a screen and a keyboard in and of itself? It, it's not. It requires language to bring out fear and hatred. It's powerful. Yeah. You know, it requires the language in order to express and go after somebody or go after somebody's idea, which in and of itself wouldn't be bad, except then it all gets personal and it gets ugly. Right. And, and I have to deal with that within the church and outside of the church. And I really kind of see myself as a shepherd for our community in the communities yes. around us, not just for people in a building called a church, especially during this time when a lot of people aren't meeting in buildings, but watching 
what comes out of people's mouths at other people and the defensiveness. It's this, it is a sick form of warfare. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not against free speech at all. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll fight for free speech. But, you know, one of the things that I read, and this was years ago, so I can't document it, but when death row inmates were asked, what would have been the best time for prevention to take place? Their number one answer was, if somebody would have stopped me when I started swearing. What? No That's way. It. Yeah. Swearing, they, t- they linked it to swearing. Okay, what is it to curse? It's to, I don't know, got an idea? Let me yeah. think. Yeah. Go for it. Here's what it is. Life. God is the giver of life. Life is good in and of itself. To curse is to reject and show contempt for something. So I don't swear at people. I swear at things <laughs> sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole cloth rejection with, with disdain. That's mm-hmm. what swearing is. Usually, like sometimes somebody is trying to be funny or something, but we're talking about cursing. Yeah. Something. If someone had stopped me from cursing, cursing is, is on the opposite spectrum of acceptance and love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's wanting. It's projecting something. It's, mm-hmm. it's naming a hope you have for Ill. harm for the other person. Yeah. But, but haven't you seen people who, you know, they drop the whole plate of food and their response is just to laugh. I've seen those types of people. They make a mistake and they start talking gently to themselves. Now, come on, Marty, you know. You know what I mean? It doesn't require a surprise, a a negative surprise, one you don't like. It doesn't require cursing. We can accept that. We're going to have to accept it anyway. How long do you want to take, really? Right. I think that it's sloppiness. Sloppiness. Yeah. Cursing or swearing is just, and it's, for a lot of people, it's an expression of surprise that they don't really think about. But when the words themselves come out and they're not meaning it in any way other than, oh my gosh but it comes out as something else. I think that's the subtle power of our words that take us to a darker place. Well, that's conditioned, right? That's conditioned. We're not responsible for the first thought or feeling that we have. That's conditioned. That's why I, again, I talk about the disciplines because you want to do this stuff. So you become that thing and that is your immediate response. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the positive, you know, more Holy spirit driven response. And that takes lot of practice because that's not our nature. And it's only one further step down the road toward acting it out. Or I guess you'd say bad breath leads to bad things. (laughs) (laughs) And by breath, I mean the dragon breath that I spew. Yes. And then think about what happens when you get a bunch of people together. It's like, could be like an inferno of dragon breath when you line up a bunch of fire breathers and and they all go for the same target i was gonna say it takes on its own life yeah doesn't it yeah so so prejudice or judgment it comes out in full force yeah so what not to do what not to do don't do that don't say that but you know people need to something's going to replace that Mm -hmm. right so in colossians there is a lot it's all over the place really if people care to study it and read it and try to become it but um i really like this you know colossians 4 chapter 4 5 6 Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That is the attitude that we're we're to, to take, mm-hmm. right? Always full of grace. Seeing a lot of grace right now in this political season, sometimes, Gosh, no. but a lot not, right? Yeah, yeah. And it bothers me to see that. I know it bothers you. Totally. Does it, what is it like to see people that you know, and you know them as good people, right? So we're not condemning the person, but to see that they're full of something that's not holy and gracious. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they've been taken over. Yeah. Well, I think that that's kind of what it is. I, I've been thinking about possession a lot. We should do a show on that. What it means, because the cartoon version of possession will just dismiss, right? Whole cloth, like, oh, that's dumb. But they're, we're possessed by, they're people possessed by ideology right now, right? They didn't know that. They came in contact with it in the world and then they let it in. They didn't have discernment, right? So now they're believing certain things that you'll test the fruit and you'll see it's leading to division, anger, judgment. Right, right. And you got to remember every word that you read online, every post you see, every clip you see was designed by someone to get you to respond in a way they wanted you to respond. Which is what? 
What, what, what sells? What, what keeps people coming oh, back? Fear, yep. anger, mm-hmm. disgust. Rejection of some people so you can group up with another, you know? Oh, yeah, because, identity. Yeah, identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the word I was looking mm-hmm. for. But we're told in Proverbs, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Okay, so we are supposed to speak, but then we go back to that truth and love thing because if you violate that, who cares? You read last week, in Corinthians, like all of this great stuff, even prophesying, all that kind of great stuff. But if there's not love, then it doesn't matter at all. Just yeah. toss it out. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. You know, there's a great book in the New Testament called James, who's the brother of Jesus. And he spends as many verses in that short five chapters book talking about the sins of the tongue, about mm-hmm. speech as he does about any other topic. And his main point is in James is that we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Mm -hmm. And here he's writing to an audience of people. They were Jewish Christians. They were being persecuted. They were losing their jobs. They were getting arrested, some of them. Eventually, some of them were getting killed. Because of that, they were scattered all over. They had lost their jobs, their families, their inheritances. They had lost relationships. They had lost all status because of this faith that was viewed as so radical following this man, Jesus, and that he died and he rose again. They probably thought they had done enough and they had plenty to complain about. But James is challenging him throughout this letter to prove that they're living out their faith especially in what they say. In, in chapter 1, verse 26, if anyone thinks of himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religious religion is worthless. It's amazing how one word can change the course of, of a person's life. And yet, like you said at the beginning, God's chosen method of communication is not in symbols. It's not in signs. It's not silent pictures. It's not in dreams. It's by speech. It's by words, by the logos. Because God speaks, I think that's what makes words important. You talked about John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And, you know, one of the famous lines is the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus himself as the expressed reality of God. What does that mean? People aren't going to understand that. Some people, a lot of people aren't. What does that mean that the word became flesh? I think it means that the God, when we talk about the son of God, that's Jesus. But it's not like he was born from God. He was born about 2,000 years ago to a peasant girl named Mary in Palestine. You can visit the locale. But the word of God means the truth of God expressed, the reality of God expressed in a way that we could receive it. Like the sun, the S-U-N has rays. Without the sun's rays, we would be disconnected. And as Christ followers, to say the word became flesh, it means the word of God through which everything was made and through which we understood anything became flesh and dwelt among us. That, the word for dwelt literally means set up a tent. So we're, we would say as Christ followers in a Christian worldview that God became a human and lived among us in this obscure region of the Roman Empire at that time called Palestine. And that's what we would say. And he conquered the Roman Empire. But not in the way that people thought he was going to conquer it. So this stuff is powerful stuff. It isn't just kind of a a good idea. This will transform your your life. If you you take speech as a discipline and Mm -hmm. proper speech as a discipline, you can't do that without transforming yourself spiritually. Oh, so that is so true and so big. You see, throughout, it talks about the word of God in creation, the flood, in judgment, in God's blessings, in the Ten Commandments. We can know God personally through his word. Words are primordial. Words are primordial in my relationship with my wife. They're the basic fabric which the universe was created through the way God entered history. Our speech is important, not just because we use it all the time, but more importantly, because God's spoken to us. And and I think, sorry, just one last thing. I think when James writes this to these Christ followers who are scattered around the Roman empire, he's upset with the church but not because words are so bad, but because they're so good. Mm. And that's why James is cautioning people 
about this is that words are that powerful. They literally guide our lives. If you need traction in your life, in your spiritual life, in your relationships, in your personal growth, you need to pay attention to your words. If you're a leader, if you're a leader of a company, if you're a leader in any kind of endeavor, whatever it is, even leading yourself, you can take huge steps forward if you begin paying attention to your words mm -hmm. and how they're received. They literally guide our lives. And it's, it's funny because James goes on and talks about that. He says, anybody who makes no mistakes in speaking is able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle like a horse. We know in psychology, I use cognitive behavioral psychology, which is a, it's a semantic therapy, which means what is the meaning of words? Because we interpret life through language. And as we shift our interpretations, we feel differently about it. And reality is changed. And we know that even attention can be controlled by language. So if you think about it, let's say like you're putting together a, you're trying to thread a very, very tiny screw right? A new novel problem and you've got the screwdriver, you, you may start talking to yourself like, okay, hold on a second. Where is that? Or if you're putting together, you ever put together a swing set? That, that's, they look simple. They're not. You'll see people just talk to themselves like, all right, where's that go? Where's that thing go? That, it, it has a power to even guide our attention and shape our reality. Words are that powerful. Yeah. And I think for those of us who are wanting, ideally continually wanting to take a step forward, in our effectiveness as a leader, in our effectiveness as a husband, in our effectiveness as a friend, let alone spiritually, we need to pay attention to the words we're saying. Well, and we did a podcast on prayer. I mean, we pray mostly through language. Imagine the transformative power of repetition after repetition of the right prayer. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the power of words. I think we cannot get that through our minds strongly enough. And, and there's a, some beautiful, great illustrations from the same passage I'm reading, which is James chapter three. Mm -hmm. And it, listen, it says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. So if you're frustrated that you can't turn your life around, start paying attention to your words or take ships as an example, James writes. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, like 0.2% of the weight of our body is our tongue. But it's a small part of our body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Think of all the forest fires going on right now in the U.S., the tongue is also a fire. Interesting, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Whoa. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by humans, but no one can tame the tongue. Mm. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who have been made in God's likeness. Mm. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear trigs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Wow. So there was That's a heavy. part of, it's, it's really, it's rich. And there's a part that will slip by you if you're not paying attention to it and what you just read. And this, this is what's really bothering me. Cursing another being who is made in God's image. I don't care what they did or what you heard that they did. There's no justification for that in our faith, right? To for us to condemn, to take that role on and what it does to us spiritually when we condemn another person. Like they'll never know, you know, probably we're doing that, you know, with friends and things like that or just on posts, but that is spiritual poison mm -hmm. to condemn another human being. Oh yeah. What, what's the right attitude? Well, there's a lot going on here. I think the right attitude would be that you've got to realize you've got a heart problem. Jesus said words flow from an overflow of your heart. So it requires heart medicine. And that's what I've found so powerful in the message of Christ, the message that we find in the New Testament, well, in the whole Bible, really. And it's the gospel. We can't tame the tongue, but God can. And what's on the surface? Yeah, maybe it's, it's deplorable. Okay. But what's under the surface, which is your spiritual development, your relationship with God, if that suffers, it wasn't worth your time. There's plenty to look at and be outraged about, plenty on there. 
don't do it at the expense of your spiritual development and your relationship with God and becoming the person that is Christ-like. That's exactly right. Yeah. When it's this heart problem, you got to realize the forgiveness that's available through the cross of Christ. That same forgiveness has also redeemed your tongue. It's, it's given you back the ability. It's like we eliminate our dragon breath. We replace it with what the Bible talks a lot about, streams of living water. Mm. I keep going back to that image. I love that. Yeah. Fresh breath. Yeah. And Jesus invites us to speak to him yeah. and to speak about him. And when the Holy Spirit came on those first Christians, it says they came with tongues of holy fire and they began to speak in languages that connected with people like never before. Ooh, you're helping me understand something. So because, you know, the, the line that you read about the, you know, what, what's in the heart will overflow out of the mouth. I was quiet for the first few years because I didn't trust because I'm new to this stuff. You know, yeah. I didn't, I'm not going to talk to somebody, but it's the last thing I can do because I may mislead them. And I'm talking about, right? So if you don't have that peace, right? Mm -hmm. These are the professing Christians that did damage to me early on. Like they were telling me these things and I was, but I was looking at them and going, I don't, you know, you're full of, yeah. you know, anger, you know, and, and fear. And said, so I don't want any part of that. You know, so, so, so come to them with a gentle spirit. It's a whole different way you receive the message. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's... So it's look inward. At, at looking inward. Every morning we wake up with dragon breath, let's face it. Mm -hmm. We brush our teeth and then we face a choice. <laughs> How we use our words. And I think that, that you're not alone in wanting to use your words as the potent, powerful blessing that they can be. But we tend to use them for our own purposes and manipulate them for our own ways. And that's one of the best gifts that God has given us as people is this incredible way to use our words. So many people are starved to hear anybody say anything to them personally, let mm -hmm. alone a compliment or something encouraging. So when we see something, because there's all kinds of rage bait out there. So let's say you bite on it and you take that bait, that lure. If you just find that you need to respond, it's on Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but yeah. a harsh word stirs up anger. I've known that to be true every time, every time. So uh, there's a guy at the gym who didn't like me for some reason. I don't know what. Because you were too big. Probably thought I was a meathead or something like that, right? So there's a little bit of a, a you know, you know, hey, you're hogging the equipment kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. First response is what? What? You know, like a challenge, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then I'm trying to be better. So I start being nice to him. First, I speak the truth to him. Say, hey, you know, we share stuff around here. People want to work in. But I'm being really nice to him, right? I'm, I, I fought my nature and went towards the good, you know? And uh, it works every time. I did it. worked on him. Now, you know, I start talking to him and about his, you know, AirPods and stuff because I knew that's what he liked. I showed him some attention and, and was kind to him. And it did turn away his wrath. It's, it could have gone the other way. It could have stirred up anger, too. And that's what we're seeing on the Internet a lot. You know and there's, I mean? Yeah, there's no hope for a relationship on the internet. I call Facebook, Facebook is not reality, it's novelty. Mm -hmm. And I don't treat it as too much more than novelty. I mm -hmm. take it very seriously because it's wrecking people's lives. Yeah, misled people, to them, it's an existential threat. Mm -hmm. And they feel like they've got to put, they're going to be the one to stop this existential threat. Right. They're going to step right up. And, and, and when they take that bait and go in with the anger and rage, they are compounding the rage in the world. Right. It could have gone away with a gentle answer, perhaps. Or if you can't give a gentle answer, don't say anything. But instead, here's what they did. They threw kerosene on a fire. That's really powerful. You know, two things that you said that made me think of kind of really neat ideas. One is by simply turning aside wrath as the that proverb says, with a gentle answer, you completely de-escalate the situation. Mm. You mitigate the problem. You diminish the problem so that it's something we can look at and work on. How about re you're restoring the kingdom? <laughs> the kingdom of God, yeah. Yeah, you're restoring the kingdom of God. The peace that and that everybody can belong and mm -hmm. everybody can be confident, humbly confident that they're a child of God. Yeah, it's incredible. And then the creativity that can flow from that. Mm. Then the other thing that, that it made me think of is, is you may be, because of the power of words, you may be eight to 12 words from making a great friend, mm. a new best friend. And I know that sounds a little bit corny, but think oh. about it. A few sentences in, 
to a conversation with somebody, you could discover an awesome friend, Mm -hmm. somebody to share some life with or laugh at or come to depend on. But it's going to start with words. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I think it's going to start with, sometimes it can start with words like me. I don't think so. Maybe it starts with our spiritual attitude. So the right words come. Yeah. You can go the other way too. You can, you know, start with the language and then transform it that way. But oftentimes I, I, w- I don't want to rely on that because we can be impulsive. I can be impulsive. I want to work so it flows more naturally. And so it comes before the speech comes the attitude. Yeah. You know, like the, the be- uh, I think Mark Twain said that the best remedy for anger is delay, something like that. I mean, I'm sure he was better than that, but that was the message. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he was good with words, at least writing them. I don't know about his speech, but Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. You know, not everything needs to be said at every time. And there's a timing to our words that we haven't even talked about. That could be a whole nother topic. Sure, sure. Well, actually, that kind of dovetails with what I want to talk about. So, you know, it doesn't tell, people need to know what to do. Like you, you bring up the book of James and you know that, man, if you really want to get to know your bad old self, read that book. I mean, I spent a lot of time in that at the very beginning, right? So- because he tell, told me what to do, right? Not just not what to do, he told me what to do. So in terms of speech, I have a, just a few questions that you want to ask, that I ask myself mm-hmm. before I open my trap, okay? Yeah. First of all, have I gotten to the truth of the matter? And that takes some time. It takes some time to get to the truth. So I have to reflect a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. What's going on? So, you know, the first thing, is it true? Is it accurate? Okay, if, if I say, yeah, okay, proceed. Will I make it worse? Will it help or hurt what I say? Okay. So I got a decision point there. Like, okay, don't say it. It's just going to make it worse. Okay. But, but maybe I think it might make it better. So I'll go ahead. But then the last one, somebody taught me, I don't know who to ask myself, which is, is it, am I the one that needs to say it? Right. Does this need to come from me? Now, probably you're thinking of our politics right now too. Right. Cause it's really best to wait till someone asks you cause now you know, they're interested. Yeah. So taking those three things that removes about 90% of my speech, you know, cause we have these thoughts that we want to talk about. Right. What do, what do you think about that? I think it makes a lot of sense. A friend of mine from seminary named Jenny Hohan, who lives in Singapore, wrote a book called be still. And she opens the book saying, Many times in my life, silence has saved me. Oh, yeah. Man. What does she mean by that? Because I can think of all sorts of thoughts about that. Yeah. She starts out talking about silence has saved me from saying what I was thinking of saying next and really listening to the other person till I could get down deeper to what the heart is that they are thinking. Mm. Silence has saved me when I was losing patience with, in her case, she would say my husband. And instead, I chose to wait. And I, yes. she says, silence has saved me when if I would have jumped in with a bunch of words, it would have escalated the problem or the frustration rather than mitigated oh, yeah. it back down. Well, you, you just hit all of the three things. I mean, silence for her is a way to get at the truth, yeah. right? It's a way to possibly make it better or don't say anything. That goes through those checks. These are biblical concepts. I mean, Westerners don't realize, they think that this stuff was always around. These things weren't always in the world. These things that we're talking about, these came through Christianity, and there's plenty of evidence for that. Ephesians, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up, for building others up according to their needs, not your needs to be right, not your need to be high status and Mr. Expert, because we're supposed to, as it says, benefit those who listen. Try that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Try that the next time somebody enrages you or does something obnoxious. Right. What's better? Flip from you to them. What's what's best for them? Exactly. Maybe be silent. Like you said, that, that's a good start. I think there's a way to be silent and present. OK. Versus silent and ignoring or walking away or belittling. And you're not turning your back on them. Right? Yeah. You're still with them. One other thing about that verse, read that verse one more time. Sure. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That has changed my life because sometimes you might think, I can't think of anything good to say about that person. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to build them up. And it occurred to me, even as a kid, And I can remember it was the Silver Surfer and Dr. Doom. And Dr. Doom was proving he was so powerful by destroying something. 
in, in the comic book, it was like a suit of armor or something. But then the Silver Surfer, with his power cosmic, could build it up again. And that's when I realized any person, any evil person, any idiot can tear something down. It takes no talent, no strength, almost no energy to tear something down. What takes real courage and character and strength is to build something or to build someone up. And that verse ties that in. So any Nimrod can tear somebody down. Hmm? Any jackass can kick over a barn is what they say in the South. (laughs) That's it. That's exactly it. But what takes real courage and grit and energy is to build somebody up. But once you begin, it's like God's spirit allows you to see so many more good things in other people that you can name, that you can actually put words to. Even if you're somebody who's more of a quiet person, when you realize that our words can be building people up, that can change your life. When you find, when I found myself not knowing what to do and I'm neutral about somebody, if I can remember that verse that you read, I can use whatever lame or meager or strong abilities I have to add value to that person's life. Yeah, the silence and the art of listening, that mm-hmm. in itself, understanding and trying to understand someone can have a therapeutic effect yeah. in the relationship. You know, we talked about Paul earlier where he says, like, look, if you don't have a spirit of love, then forget what you do on, you know, superficially, it doesn't matter. James says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight ring on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Yeah. I'm, it's the fruit of the spirit that matters, really. You know, the language is, is, I think, often just a means to an end to that. Yeah. And yet it can be so powerful, like the bridle on the horse or the rudder the ship or a little for a little campfire that can light a whole forest ablaze yeah but i think it's powerful because the spirit is transmitted through that it's brought into the world yeah that's literally how god chose to speak to us so we don't know what we're messing with when we are choosing to be really sloppy with our words or just assume that we have no ability with them Then what is gossip? Gossip is using this great gift of God to tear somebody else down or to get attention on yourself and not on them or to mess around with the truth in some way. You can tell a half truth and that can be worse than a blatant lie. Yeah, 100%. I'm thinking like, I remember the last time I gossiped, right? And I know how I felt. It bothered me for a long time. The the Lord had dealt with me on that. And, And so I started really thinking about what's gossip. Why did that feel so awful? And I think that what it was, because it wasn't a horrible thing, you know, I just made a rude comment about a family member. Okay. But what bothered me was the malice that gave it life, right? And it seemed to come out of nowhere. That's what bothered me. Yeah. And that's, that's in scripture where it says your tongue, your mouth is directly tied to your heart. Yes. And what's going on there. There's not a lot of filtering or shaping, but what comes out of the, our mouths is a direct reflection on our heart. And that, that's scary when you think of, of the spew that's going on. It is scary. That people's hearts are that tormented. And that's why it's bothering me mm-hmm. to see it, you know, because it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I understand it. And, you know, I have compassion for people who are afraid and, and I know what anger is like. So it's not that. It's that it's in the world and I'm witnessing it you know, that's bothering me. The other thing that gossip does is it divides and we're taught to, to accept and unite and love even our enemies. That's, its aim is to lower someone's status, mm-hmm. right? Or as a human being, right? It's to judge that human being. And it's also to divide them, to say they're not one of us. Yeah. Well, and gossip can even be something that's true, but it's not your news to tell. Okay, it's the truth, but it's not the whole truth. Because here's what it does. Okay, yes, maybe they did that, made that big mistake, but that is does not define that person. So it's not exactly the truth. It's part mm-hmm. of the truth. And why put that emphasis on that? Why take you know the worst possible moment a person had and go promote it? There's a motive behind that. So I would even argue that it's not really true. It's 
Oh, it's manipulated truth. Yeah, it's and it's, manipulated and it's not truth. my news to share. Yes, yes. You could be going through a real struggle in a relationship, and that is never my news to share. Even if somebody says, "How's Marty?" I can say, "He's fine. He's so cool." But what I wouldn't—you wouldn't say that, man. I say it all the time. <laughs> but what I wouldn't say is, "Wow, he's really struggling with one of his kids," mm -hmm. or "He's really struggling with his job," because mm -hmm. that's not my news to tell. Mm -hmm. And the listening side of gossip is equally as guilty as the oh. one spreading it. Yeah, listen to it and see how you feel. Yeah. The thing to do if somebody's telling you something like that is you just got to change the subject. You've got to, if it's somebody you can say, you know what, I don't think that's really our news to talk about, is it? Yeah. Well, I, that's what I, I, I say. Um, why are you telling me this? And you know mm -hmm. what happens when you do? Because they become self-conscious and then they see something that they don't like that they didn't even know was there. This is like that possession thing. It's like you just suddenly you're running with this stuff, you know what I mean? And it's, a, it's euphoric for some people. And then you show the, hold a mirror up to them by saying, why are you telling me this? Because that's a really great question. And you know what they usually do? Backpedal. Oh, oh yeah. no, I wasn't saying that. Deny it, you know, backpedal. Like, right. oh, no, I didn't mean that. I meant, and then they get off that topic as fast as they possibly can. That's a great line. Why are you, why are you telling me this? And mean it sincerely. Oh, yeah, you're helping absolutely. The you're helping the person out when you say that. And the other thing that you're doing is you're showing that you are a loyal person. You're a loyal friend. In other words, you're potentially protecting the gossiper from themselves, and you're protecting the person that they're gossiping about. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants to have to be around people and have friends who protect them. Yes. If I'm willing to listen to your gossip about somebody else, what's to prevent me from gossiping about you to somebody new? Oh, I learned that lesson. It really helped me is this. And I, me too, but everybody treats everybody according to his or her own character. So a liar, I can't be too overly offended if someone lies to me because I, it's not like they were an 100% honest person and they met me and said, oh, this guy's, I had to lie to him. You know, same thing with being snappy with people. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's that person. Because remember, we don't like to be self-conscious. I like to focus on other people with compassion. I, I have to build that up. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not there, I have to find it, you know? But I, I like, uh, that was a good statement that you made. Just that, that if you and I are gossiping about somebody, that just means I'm a gossip. Even if I'm just listening yeah. mm -hmm. and letting you go versus changing the subject or making it a little awkward or saying that great line that you just said, why, why are you telling me this? Mm -hmm. And you can be curious about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't ever talk about anything but yourself. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, look, it's not like we can't mention someone's name. I mean, right. I love to, to, to praise people. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Or if you and I have a mutual friend and the, objective isn't to, you know, lower their status, you know, to gossip. It's to help them. I absolutely will. If someone cares about them, but remember the yeah. spirit of all of this is what matters. You know what I mean? It's the spirit that matters. So what should we do? Right. We have to do something right. Mm -hmm. Nature abhors a vacuum. Okay. So we, we need to know what to do. Right. Because telling someone not to do something leaves them to their own devices. Right. So what do we practice is a better way of putting it. And I found a verse in Titus 3, 2, right? To speak evil of no one. Now, now try that for a while. You could develop so much spiritually by just doing that one thing. That, that would be incredible, wouldn't I it? I know. Correct. Because what will happen is you'll have the thought and then you'll want to speak it and you'll stop and you'll go, no. And then you'll practice that. And then it becomes easier and easier to not even have those thoughts about another person. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling. Practice that. That'd be a good thing to practice, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle. How do you do that? Lots of ways, you know, take care of yourself, get sleep, read scripture, forgive everybody, be forgiven. Uh, yeah. And not try to put yourself above other people. Yeah. So you're not fighting to get something. You can be gentle and be, con there's a contentment that comes with that. There sure is. And, and it's not is weak. It's, it's not, not weak. weak. No, it's strong. Mm -hmm. It's strong. Self-control. People have self-control. Like that's a very, you know, masculine thing. You know, if you're a man, listen to this, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people, not just your group, not just your, you know, political friends, mm -hmm. not just your denomination. Right. 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 Everybody. How much would that impact people who come to see you in your practice? How much would it? Well, I'm always going towards these things. Like one, 
my practice has taken off a lot because I think the, the Christian principles, even if they're not obvious, they're there. They're what fuels the whole thing. Okay. And I think that people will respond to that because I think it's true. I think that this is the order that God intended. And I know it because I feel it and I see the effects. It changed the entire world. It, it really did. Not all religions, Jainism didn't have the effect that it had, right? I'm just saying. And I'm not, and that's to say, even some of the best Christians I've ever seen aren't professing Christians. They just believe it so much that they live it. So I'm going, when God judges, who is the first and who's the last there? So, mm. so this isn't said in judgment, it's just saying that this is the way. This is, and we know because there's a range of evidence to show that this is the way. We can look at science. Science is showing that this is the way. People who follow these principles and attend synagogues, churches, they ha- are healthier, have better marriages and things like that. It's putting the highest thing up first, right? How, what would the effect have? I'm seeing the effect that it has. But what effect would it have on all of us? Uh, that angry person, that, that person sitting in jail, you know, that person getting a divorce, person who just lost someone, person who just got fired. It's full of rage. You know, their boss is just on them to just practice it. I'm not saying be perfect on it, but just take your attention and direct it towards these things. That's a great question. Yeah. It doesn't have a f- complete answer yet. No, but, but, but it will. But it you're will have, bringing that truth to people. Yeah. And I believe that we're seeing this. It It's fits and starts, but this is happening in the world. It's, there, it's improving in these things. It's spreading, right? I believe so. If we can overcome the challenges, when we overcome those challenges to realize power of our words, and they're not just for evil, but they're for good. All right on. You want to pray us out? Hey, let's pray. Lord, mm-hmm. I thank you so much that you are the word. God, you've spoken it. Lord, you long for us to hear you. Lord, we need to hear your words of truth and of love. We need to know that, that we are just right for you, that you love us that much. God, we know that those around us need to hear it too, that you're crazy about them and so are we. So Lord, let us join our words with yours. God, we know it's not easy. We ask your forgiveness when we use our words as weapons and uh, not as medicine. God, even as we've offered our hearts for you to cleanse our hearts, to purify our hearts, to bring you glory and fame, Lord, we also offer equally our tongues, our words, that they may be cleansed by you, that they may be pure, that they may be glorifying your name, that they may be lifting and building up other people around us. Lord, may they do nothing but make you famous, our words, and make us hearers of the word, not just and doers of your word. And we pray all this, Lord, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.